0: Welcome to this week's episode of Business Wise. This is a podcast series for entrepreneurs interested in expanding through learning and applying the management system, discovered and developed by humanitarian philosopher and administrator, Mr. L. Ron Hubbard. Recently, we've done a couple of episodes on leadership, and we're likely to do a few more. Leadership seems to be a hot and popular topic, to the extent that we're even considering starting a new podcast uh, channel on the subject of leadership alone. If you'd be interested in such a channel, do let me know by dropping us a line at info at wiseeastus.org. Info at wiseeastus.org. Write us if you think we should have a separate channel on leadership. We'd probably drop an episode once a month or something like that uh, on that subject alone. All right. Today's episode uh, relates closely to leadership. In fact, it is from an article by Mr. Hubbard called Responsibilities of Leaders, dated 12 February 1967. And this might very well be my favorite of all the hundreds of articles Mr. Hubbard has written on the subject of administration. But in this episode, we're going to talk specifically about power, which is not synonymous at all with leadership, of course, but it has a very tight bearing on the subject. Uh, and anyway, in this episode, I want to discuss a feeling I have seen among many, many of uh, the wise members, no matter how able. And... Uh, addresses something that is, from where I sit, from what I'm looking at, really holding back their expansion and success. And that is the subject of delegating power. Now, in Responsibilities of Leaders, L.R.H. uses the example of someone who he describes as, quote, the greatest military general in any history, measured against his obstacles, the people, and the land across which he fought, end quote. And that is the story of Simon Bolivar, who, if you know your history, was a liberator of South America from the yoke of Spain. It is a long and colorful and brilliant article, and we could never hope to cover all of its content in one business-wise episode. And we have, in fact, referenced it in earlier episodes on power. But I want to take up one section of it today in the interest of curing you of any propensity you may have not to delegate power and thus responsibilities to others. Now, mind you, you may be thinking to yourself, unwillingness to delegate. Hell no, that's not my problem. I'm dying to delegate. Are you kidding me? I'm trying to get in from this rat race I created for myself with this business. No, no, no. Delegation is not my problem. It's finding the right people to delegate to. That's my problem. (laughs) Do you see the illogic in that statement? So you say to yourself, you have a willingness to delegate, but then how come you're not delegating? I want you to remember the stable rule from Mr. Hubbard. We've covered this before in earlier episodes. It's from an article 16, March 1971, which we come back to here and there in our episodes. And that is this. And this is from Mr. Hubbard, quote, any problem that does not solve is not the problem. There must be some other problem, end quote. While that sure is true in the problem of getting members to delegate power, I think it's probably one of the things I get asked about the most is how do I get into phase two, which, by the way, isn't really phase two. People are really asking, how do I power out of my current game and into a bigger game or into another game or into a no game or whatever they want to power into? You're looking at basically turning over a game, going disconnecting from a game. It's a little bit more than phase two, if you look up phase two. I'm not going to discuss phase two today, but it's a general misunderstanding on the term phase two. I'll at least define it for you. This is a definition from Mr. Hubbard. Phase two means running an established activity an executive gets people to get the work done. That's phase two. That's from um, an article he wrote on the 28th of July, 1971. So phase two, you're still running the activity. It's not like you're disconnected from it. You're in there being an executive, but you're getting other people to get the work done. That's different from phase one. I quote, beginning a new activity, an executive single hands while he trains his staff. When he has people producing, functioning well, and had it, he then enters the next phase, phase two, running an established activity. So phase one, you're doing the work yourself, single-handing, right? But while you're training people. And then phase two is you're running it. So if you're an executive director or a manager, for instance, you do everything yourself. You're answering the phones. You're setting up the room. You're taking the orders. You're scheduling things. You're doing all that stuff, doing the sales, whatever you're doing, and then while you are training people, that's phase one. So now you train a receptionist, you train train salespeople. Most people confuse phase one with the idea that you just do all the work yourself. That's phase one. And then phase two is everybody else does all the work. That's not phase two. Phase two is other people are doing the work while it's being supervised by the executive. And the executive has his own hat, which is to be an executive, which is to run the established activity. So that's phase two. So phase one and phase two, Then you've got something else, which is a phase out, you could say, to power out of a game where now you've got your whole, you have a, you have a brand new executive team. They're kind of running the whole show and you're pretty much disconnected. That's not phase two. That's actually a, you could say that's a phase beyond phase two. That's now a phase out or power out of an activity. And generally powering out of an activity is only possible if you're going into a new activity. Think about that. I'm not doing a whole talk on this right now, but most of the time people have trouble getting out of an old game if they don't have a new game to get out into, but that's a, that's subject for another podcast. We're not going to discuss that right now, but all I'm saying is phase two does not mean that you're out of the business. It means you're being a proper executive and you're running people who are getting the job done. And what, when members say to me, I want to get into phase two, what they're actually saying is I want to phase out and I want to be somewhere else for six months to a year or maybe permanently. and have somebody else running the business for me. And, you know, you still have a source point hat for the business. You still have your goal finder hat. You still have that kind of hat, but you can wear that from anywhere, but you're no longer execing. But phase two is a term for an executive. Anyway, I didn't mean to go into a whole big thing on it, but I just want you to understand the difference. But in order to power out of a game, you still need to go through phase one and phase two, and then you can execute the power formula which is we've covered that in a number of earlier episodes. Uh, You just need to put in the word power in the search bar in our uh, homepage and pull up. I think there's maybe three episodes we've done so far. This will be the fourth episode on the subject of power. But in this particular episode, I want to tackle the real problem that members have when they're not delegating. And the problem isn't finding the right people to delegate to. That's not the problem. If it's not solving, that's not the problem. That's for sure. The problem is their willingness, the member's willingness to delegate is not there. You know, you're probably thinking to yourself, that's certainly not the case with me. I'm very willing to delegate. Don't be so sure. Okay. Cause I'm going to cover some of this from this article from Mr. Hubbard, responsibilities of leaders. And I think um, we can shed a little more light on this which can open the door to handling this problem of delegation, okay? So I remind you, when he's talking about he, he's talking about Simon Bolivar, who Mr. Hubbard acknowledges as the greatest general of them all in all of history, right? And he says here, quote, He had all the power. Bolivar had all the power. He had all the power. He did not use it for good or evil. One cannot hold power and not use it it violates the power formula. So there is a formula for power. There's two formulas, actually one for groups and one for the person individually. And we covered those in earlier episodes. So you can go back and re listen to those and read the articles yourself. But anyway, he says it violates the power formula for it then prevents others from doing things if they had some of the power. So they then see as their only solution, the destruction of the holder of the power, as he not using power or delegating it is the unwitting block to all their plans. So you're running a company, you're running a group, and you hold all the power. You're not willing to delegate that power. We'll get into that. Why that is in a minute. You're not willing to delegate that power and give power to other people the authorization to make decisions, the authorization to create, the authorization to play the game their way, so to speak. Say, no, 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 it's only going to be done my way. No, I have to approve everything. I make all the decisions. I don't trust you to make decisions because most of your decisions are stupid decisions. The reason this business has gotten to where it's gotten or the group has gotten to where it's gotten is because I've been directing the shots. So, yes, I want you to take responsibility for your zone of influence. For your zone of control, but the decisions are all mine. You see how you haven't really delegated the power? You're not really giving them the power. And don't be too surprised if these executives so-called, they're not really executives at all because you're not giving them the power. If they kind of get fed up with you, because they have their own games they want to create. They have their own ideal scenes. They have their own you know, notions of how th- their lives are going to be lived. Because they're living a life too, man. It's not just yours and they've got their own ideas about this, and now you're not going to give them the reins, you're not going to give them enough power or authorization to create on their own, man, you're asking for it. Because then you become the target. So games start being played that you're not aware of. They hide them from you. And you say, well, how dare they hide them from me?" Well, you're not authorizing them. So they start creating that. You're not giving them the freedom to create. So they're going to create with or without you, and part of that create will end up being to get you back in one way or another, even if it means they just quit after after a point, or they sow the seeds of distrust and ill will amongst the rest of the employees or the employees under them. I'm sure you've had this experience, but you may not be realizing exactly where that's coming from and your own causation in it. So he goes on and describes it this way. He says, um, So even many of his friends, he's talking about Bolivar, so even many of his friends and armies finally agreed he had to go. They were not able men. Listen to this. Albert's saying these guys that decided that Bolivar had to go, they weren't even very able people. He says they were not able men. They were in a mess, but bad or good, they had to do something. Things were desperate, broken down, and starving after 14 years of civil war, Therefore, they either had to have some of that absolute power or else nothing could be done at all. They were not great minds. He did not need any, quote, great minds, end quote, he thought, even though he invited them verbally. He saw their petty, often murderous solutions and he rebuked them and so held the power and didn't use it. So this is the thing. You have tremendous power in your organization. It's your organization. You create it. You're paying everybody. It's your ideas. It's your. Generally, it's your leadership, your charisma, and so forth that's attracting people to it. It's your vision. It's your goals. And so now you have more, you've got, you know, people are coming on board with you. Now you guys kind of go, okay, buy into my vision, buy into my vision. And they will, and they do to a certain extent, but don't forget, they also have their own visions and they own have their own ideals and they have their own ideas. Can you delegate that Uh, the authority to create to that person. I'll bet anything. If you are thinking about this right now, you kind of go, no, 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 no. What would they do with that power? What they would just, they would wreck my company. They would wreck everything I stand for. They would wreck everything that I've worked so hard to put together. If I gave them that much leeway, is that not true? Is that not going through your mind? Right? and therein lies part of the situation with regards to your being willingness to delegate because you don't trust those guys. Why? Because they're, they're imperfect. They're not able men. They're not great minds. They're not like you. So you figure if you give them that kind of authority, they're bound to screw it up. And so it never gets really delegated. You follow? Mr. Harper goes on to say this, brave beyond any general in history on the battlefield, the Andes, that's the range of mountains in South America, brave beyond any general in history on the battlefield, the Andes, or in torrential rivers, he did not really have the bravery needed to trust inferior minds and stand by their often shocking blunders. He feared their blunders, so he did not dare unleash his many willing hounds. He could lead men, make men feel wonderful, make men fight and lay down their lives after hardships no army elsewhere in the world has ever faced before or since. But he could not use men even when they were begging to be used. Isn't that interesting? You know, you probably have people begging to be used. They want to have power. They want to have authority. They want to feel important. But uh, I don't know. I don't know if I really trust this person. He's not up to my standards technically. You know, maybe it's a new doctor or a new mechanic or a new carpenter. And, you know, you got to be in there all the time to check on things. I have a member, if he's listening, and I think he does listen to this podcast, he's probably going to figure out who it is. But I mean, this is an extraordinary individual and he's practically the mayor of his community. It's a community uh, in New York City and he's he's so well respected and he's so loved, and his opinion is so valued, and he has this company. It's a good company, but he cannot get away from it. Uh, as long as I've known him, and it's been many, many years, it's been over two decades. Trying to get that individual to phase out of his company has been a challenge. I, I have yet to figure out or overcome. You know, why don't you delegate this? Why don't you delegate that? Well, you know, of course, none of the guys in his company very willing people have his level of competence. And so the delegation never quite fully occurs. So that guy, he works extraordinary hours. And he also puts in a lot of hours of volunteer time working with uh, different other groups. And he's a a working guy, man, I'm telling you. But he will not delegate. You know, you can say all kinds of reasons for it. But ultimately, there's no willingness to delegate there. And if you pull it back, probably going to pull down to an inadequacy of trust of the individuals he's turning those lines over to. Look, he's so well-respected in that community. He's so well-respected by uh, his customers and his clients and so forth. And he's like, I've built this, these communication lines over, you know, 30 years or 40 years of work. And I, I, I'd love to give it to this guy, but he's going to screw it up. I'd like to turn it over to that guy, but he's going to screw it up. I'd like to, but, you know, what's he going to do with that? Maybe he'll rip me off. Maybe he'll do this. Maybe he'll do that. You know, he's not that ethical. Guess what? That's what you're dealing with. You're not dealing with people of the same level of ability, perhaps, and awareness and integrity as you have, Mr. Wise member. But if you don't have the courage to give them the latitude and the freedom to create on their own, don't come crying to me if you're, you know, still stuck with that post until you drop your body one day into a six-foot hole. So he says, it is a frightening level of bravery to use men you know can be cruel, vicious, and incompetent. He, talking about Bolivar, he had no fear of their turning on him ever when they finally did, only then he was shocked. But he protected, quote, the people, end quote, From authority given to questionably competent men. So he really never used but three or four generals of mild disposition and enormously outstanding ability, and to the rest he denied power, very thoughtful of the nebulous quote people, end quote, but very bad indeed for the general good, and it really caused his death. So Bolivar did not pass away as gracefully and graciously as he should have. He says he goes on to say here, No, Bolivar was theater. It was all theater. One cannot make such errors and still pretend that one thinks of life as life. Red-blooded and factual, real men and real life are full of dangerous, violent, live situations and wounds hurt. And starvation is desperation itself, especially when you see it in one you love. This mighty actor, backed up with fantastic personal potential made the mistake of thinking the theme of liberty and his own great role upon the stage was enough to interest all the working, suffering hours of men, buy their bread, pay their whores, shoot their wives' lovers, and bind their wounds, and even put enough drama into very hard-pressed lives to make them want to live it. No, Bolivar was unfortunately the only actor on the stage, and no other man in the world was real to him. Well, there's a lot more I can cover in this particular reference. And of course, he's using a military and a, and a very grand example. But you can think of examples in your own group. I organize uh, volunteer groups all over the Eastern United States, groups we call effective management associations. And my biggest challenge has been to get the directors of those groups to delegate and give power to those under them. It's like, oh, no, 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 he's not ready. She's not ready. No, I don't think she's up to it yet. You know, the, you have these directors. And then of course they come back to me and say, you know, no one's willing to help and it's all just me. And yeah, go figure it out. You know, you won't delegate. And so it ends up just being you. Do you see the outness? But no, but they're not willing to give those hats away. So then of course there's no hat given. There's no give, no game assigned to the next guy down. Okay. This is your area of create. Look, go get hatted, go create on it. Let's go see some spectacular expansion out of that area over there. You know, and then some kind of demand on the lines that they do it, that's giving them a game. They'll thank you for it. You don't give them that game. Guess what the game becomes. Let's get you. I got no game. There's no point here. And next thing you know, they're all saying critical statements about your group, you know, and they're basically torpedoing you from somewhere. Right? That's how it flows. That's how it goes. No, the real courage and the courage that is missing is a courage to give zones of responsibility to people that you sometimes may regard as lesser in terms of ability, in terms of knowledge, in terms of experience. But no, go if you don't do that, that you won't really create a true and expanding group. Another uh, example of this <laughs> is quite interesting. Uh, you know, a member will hire somebody and you say, that's great. You finally hired somebody, you know, for this position. You're going to make him an executive? No, no, no. We're, we're going to start her out at the bottom. We're going to start him out at the bottom. He's going to start. And they give him some, you know, there's this vast gap between the person who's running the manager or the business owner. And this new employee's got this little rinky dink hat here, you know, to answer the phone or something like that. And won't be given, you know, sales and marketing, for instance. And you kind of go, well, how come you're you're supposed to post your organization from the top down. Oh, no, no, no. She's not ready. He's not ready. You know, not enough knowledge. Well, that's part of your job as an executive to make sure they get that knowledge, but give them the game. How are you ever going to know if they're going to grow up to take over the reins? Oh, they'll never take over the reins. What makes you so sure? Oh, they'll never have that level of competence. What makes you so sure? You start them out there, start giving them the tools and watch them grow up to it. And look, beware of the fact that Yes, of course, they're going to make mistakes. Of course, they're not you. But why else has it taken you 20 years to phase out of your company? No, to phase out of your company takes trust, takes courage. It takes a willingness to delegate to those who may have lesser ability than you. And if you don't have that courage, and if you don't spot that, and you're not willing to train and, and, uh, and do the work to get them up to being able to handle it, then of course, uh, you're going to be stuck with that game until you drop. So quit complaining because it's over to you to bring aboard people, give them the game, give them the responsibility, give them some of the power to do their own create and to test their own metal and uh, be willing to tolerate the fact that they will probably make mistakes. They will probably do stupid things and you'll probably have to fix some of that. But in the end, if you are willing to do that, you'll have a very happy team around you and you'll have an expanding scene. And uh, don't be too surprised if people don't start kicking you out of the joint saying, listen, you know, boss, we got this. That's when you know you've done a great job of delegating power. When those you've assigned it to say, "We got this now," isn't it time for you to find a bigger game, boss, or do something else? All right. Don't know if this uh, resonates with you. I hope it does because uh, it is true observation on my part. Maybe it's a little hard to swallow, but uh, for sure I see it regularly. So if you're having a hard time phasing out of your company, getting into the next game you want to play, why don't you look over? your courage level, your willingness to delegate to those who you may have presumed are not ready for. Give them some power or you will lose them. Uh, Use it or lose it. As we've said many times in the past, um, use that power, delegate that power, let them create with that power. And uh, next thing you know, you'll be ready to launch into a brand new game. Otherwise, you'll be continually mired into that and don't be too surprised if people don't start taking pot shots at you and being resentful for it and uh doing such destructive things as quitting on you and walking out and you know, I can't believe she would ever leave. And she did. Why? Take a look at it. See if you were really delegating that power adequately and giving her the room to create her own life or his own life and their own ideal scene. Okay. Hope this was helpful. Uh let me know with uh your comments or likes or write us at info at dot org a very important lesson here i hope i relate it properly this is key to you being able to get into bigger games up the line by being able to delegate power to those underneath you all right thank you very much for listening we'll talk again next week